It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broyne from Musketeer Report, Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal. we got stuff to talk about for both Xavier and UC. We'll touch on Kentucky's trip to the uh, the Bahamas, uh, some, some news on Darius Baisley, who was going to attempt the G League and may not be attempting the G League. We'll see how that works out and more. But let, let's we, we have not done a podcast since the, uh, since the NCAA rules. Uh, came out. Much ado about nothing, or or is there something to it, and was it positive in any way, Rick? Well, when it first came out and you just kind of saw the headline, which is what we do now with anything, sure. you, know, you see the social media headline come out, and you start making judgments on it, and it's like, oh, this is a step in the right direction. They're saying they're going to let kids that declared for the draft come back if they're not drafted. They're saying they're going to let kids hire agents. Then you read, then there's a qualifier. Then there's a qualifier to it. Then you read the fine print, and you find out they're not really letting hire kids letting kids hire agents. They're letting them have an agent, a system with a process, and honestly, in a way that will only benefit the agents and never benefit the kids or their families or help them make a good decision. Um, they can't have one while they're in college, which is the only thing that would have made this good um, and would have helped the NCAA. And, oh yeah, by the way, those guys that are allowed to come back if they don't get drafted, you had to be invited to the combine to do that, which... That affects five guys a year. Right. They only invite people to the combine. That there's a that very, think, very high likely chance that they're I mean, going to it's be drafted. The top sixty uh, eligible guys out of college basketball. And there's sixty draft picks. Right. So <laughs> you didn't. And the guys that didn't get that draft pick, guess what? Out, out of last they year's draft, all got two year deals or two eighty. Yeah, there were seven of them. Six of them were on NBA contracts. One of them signed in Australia already. Right. So they probably weren't coming back anyway. Yeah. So that won't have any effect on any. So what you're telling me is the NCAA did something and did nothing that actually did nothing. Yeah, and, I'm shocked. Well, here's the thing: like this was this could have been a move in the right direction. It could have been. It, the idea isn't wrong necessarily, but again, the problem with everything is it's only a PR move. They're not doing it right. to fix the situation. Right. They're only doing it for PR purposes. So that's what you get. The the only way to fix this, the only way is to pay them, which is not going to happen, to pay athletes, which is not going to happen. That's correct. Or to allow them to make money off their life. That, that, and that should happen. We've talked about that. That's the only – because and that's what should happen. Yeah. And, and I had an argument somebody with me of, well, what about the golfer? What about – you know what? If their market value isn't doesn't Guess what? doesn't reach that tough. Tiger could Sorry. have made a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, right. On his likeness when he was at Stanford. Correct. Correct. That's it. There's there's a market. There's no, and that's the thing. It's there's no fairness to any of this, right? There's no fairness no, that LeBron James is six nine two sixty and I'm five eight. I mean, there's no fairness, but th- there is the right thing, which is we're not going to pay them. I, I don't think they need to get in the business of paying them, but they need to allow them to make any kind of money they can off their likeness, off their memorabilia sales, off their shoe sales. You want to sell your own shoes? Go for it. There's a market. Yes. There is a price. There is a value on these kids. And if the NCAA is not going to meet that value, guess what? Somebody is. And the kids, they, they're not going to jail for taking money. Like They're not doing anything illegal for, for their family getting money for their market value. You are withholding them from their Correct. market value. Correct. And until they have a way to be compensated for that market value, there is going to be cheating. Rampant. Rampant yeah. cheating. 
Yeah. And that's that's where we're at. I don't think anyone at this point logically thinks you could pay college athletes. Correct. Because it just doesn't work across the board. Correct. There's way too many sports. That and, and, I would, I, and I would think if you did that, you would get into Title IX issues. If a co- if colleges got into the business of, of course. Paying, I mean, they, they simply get, couldn't afford it. Correct. It wouldn't make correct. sense at all. So take it out of their hands. Right, exactly. And, and and look, there are some complications here. There's tax issues. There's the fact that these kids become employees once they start earning money. All that stuff is real. There, there are things that have to be figured out, and I'm not smart enough to figure them out. But it's not rocket science. And we're not talking about the NCAA institutions giving up money to the kids or really losing money that they're making. We're talking about them sharing a small bit of earning potential. Yeah. That's it. They're taking away maybe a few ad dollars. From some of these universities, it's that that that's all they're giving up, and they're not willing to budge even an an inch, not even a centimeter on any of this. Yeah, I know. I, I agree that this is mostly that it's it's almost one hundred percent a PR move. But is it a step in the right direction that takes it to the next step of? It's not just the combine, guys. Anybody that declares, you can you can you can I come think back. If, you should, if you're drafted and you don't want to go, you should be able to come back. Yeah, I, I, I'm not totally opposed to that, and, and I, I think that's where you know you're going to scream. Well, the the no, that's, that's the NBA's problem. You draft yeah. a guy and you don't want to come. That's your. It's like recruiting. That's yeah. your problem. That's that's that's, that's your, for them to figure out. Correct. That's your. If you, you want to make a rule where he's yours for two years after you draft his rights or whatever the case may be, so be it. But if the kid wants to return to school, you should be able to return to school. Why? That's what's good for the kid, right? This is this is where I get off the deep end on this. Is the NCAA? Over and over and over and over again, talks about they do what's you know they, best for the student athlete for the student athlete. But then when they do stuff like this, none of it is for the student athlete. It's a PR move to make sure that they look better after the or after the FBI. Well, and, and the one thing is you're seeing more smart people, more national voice smart people that see right through that very quickly. Yeah, and almost debunking. And I think you might be right, seeing that this. At the end of the day, I don't think this is the NCAA making a move towards it. I think they're trying to appease people as long as they can without yeah. it happening. But the push is coming. Like, yes. it, the voices just keep getting louder. It's more and more well, the country and it, the players it, it, and the institutions are in favor And I'd respect the NCAA more if they just took a hardline stance on the other side of it as opposed to continually trying to take right. a little bit forward, a little bit. Just go ahead and take the complete plunge. So we're not take, doing it. Yeah, take the complete dive. Of course. Get the input from people in the game. Get, get the input from the people that this affects. Do that. Of course, but that would require them to... To actually want to clean up the sport well, and right. do it the right way. Right. And they have no desire to right. do it. They want to keep making money hand over fist and do things exactly the way they have been while no one is worried about it right. and no one is bothered by the image. Now, another, another fine print. None of this goes into effect until the NBA changes the draft rule. The one and done rule. Right. Yeah. So all of the, if they decide not, could you imagine that they change their mind? Well, I don't think they're going to. I don't but, either but, but, at yeah. this point, but... <laughs> then none of this is any correct, and we're talking like 2022. Yeah, yeah, it's down the road. The 2021 recruiting class is probably going to be the first one that can go straight to the NBA. Which correct, is the 2022 draft draft class. Yeah, draft class. Um, I that, the, the only other their issue is let, let's say there are five guys that, that go to the combine and and decide to come back, and, and he's a player from a major program, and that program's done what it probably should do. It's already started. It's already moved on. Fred's, Fred's going to the draft. I got to move on. There's no scholarship left for Fred to come back to. Then what? This is the easiest thing to solve. One, most major programs don't use their True. And, that, and that's, so that's fair. That's fair. Second of all, if they're guess what? They do what they always do when there's a grad transfer or anyone else that they want to add. Like, we just saw Minnesota do it, and they didn't even get the kid. And then they, they got, took the kid back. They got rid of a kid so they could get Gina Crandall. Right. And then they took him back when they didn't get Gina Crandall. So 
Schools already have the solution to do this. They put them on the waiver wire, <laughs> they cleared waivers, and they brought it back. If they've got a kid who is almost good enough to be an NBA player or maybe a late second rounder decides he wants to come back to school now. They're going to take him. They're going to take him back. They'll figure it out. It's not not even remotely. And and again, it's not affecting very many at all anyway. So Would Xavier have taken Kaiser Gates back this year? Yes. Yes. No problem. They've got three open scholarships right right now. Would Cincinnati have taken Jacob Evans back? Yes. 100%. Yes. The day after the draft. A month after the draft. Oh, today! <laughs> Although, I don't think Jacob was interested in that. No! Gates, maybe! <laughs> Fair point. Yeah, exactly. Jake, Jacob, Jacob did all right for himself. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's switch to, to UC basketball on the court. They did play up in Canada. Um, lost a game. What, what did you make of, of what they did and how it went? About what I expected. I mean, they're they're rough around the edges right now. That, um, that Eddie, Eddie Accio joke wasn't so funny. What was it? I did. He's he killed him. Actually, it, it was not him as much as from what I heard. They had a point guard that just destroyed them in the pick and roll. And then when he got in the lane, he just handed it to Accio, and Accio had bucket after like uncontested bucket after bucket after bucket after bucket after bucket. Um, I'm not overly. Uh, Carlton's really good. Yeah, you said that. Yeah, you said well, that. I ask South Dakota State has been in the tournament mm-hmm. three years in a row. He's got Mike Dom. Who's yeah, he's really, really good. good. Yeah, Carlton beat him by 50, and then played him again a couple nights later and beat him by 30. And they beat Ole Miss. They had Ole Miss down 22 at halftime. So I'm not overly concerned with that. Um, the, the biggest issue there was they gave up 41 and 46 points in a half to Carlton. I don't know that McCronin teams have ever given up 40 points in each half of a game. So they'll get that figured out. I'm not concerned about that. Offensively, it's going to be not as smooth a year as it was last year because they don't have the number of scoring options. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, and that's where last year's team didn't need this. How much did this year's team need need a a series like this or a trip like this? A lot. Yeah. You know, and not just for the three games, but for the extra practice time and – you're trying to figure out what this team's going to look like, how it's going to against operate. somebody else too. Yeah. That's the other part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know how it's going to operate, how it's going to respond. You know, Jaron Cumberland didn't shoot well uh, on the trip, but still was a leading scorer. Still was over 14 points a game. Um, found a way to get some things going. I think they're going to need Kane Broom to be more aggressive as a scorer than he showed. Uh, up there, but I think that's something when they get back now that they'll have some of that on tape and be able to say, this is where you need to go, right, this is right. where you need to attack. Um, really, the only disappointment I had, um, Nizier Brooks is going to be the one guy that they're hoping to be able to throw the ball to in the paint and be able to get some some post scoring, and he's still rushing the ball onto the rim. And He's got to slow down, and if he doesn't slow down, then they're just effectively not, not going gonna to play have, or not going to play. They're not going to play. Yeah, Eliel Sasemi took a lot of his minutes because he was freaking out, and then that's going to happen if he if he, you can't throw him the ball and he can put it in from two feet, he's not going to play, and and then you're effectively not going to have anybody in the post you can throw the ball to. The other big disappointment I really would like to have seen Mamadou Diara on the trip because he's had a really really good summer. Um, but because of Visa, he's from Mali, right? And Mali is on the uh, no fly. He's on the no fly list, so he you can't take Mali on flights. <laughs> you can take him on flights. You can't bring him back. Oh, like he could have got into Canada. He just not with Mali's. I, I was thinking different Mali. Yeah, <laughs> he could, he could have got into Canada. He just he ain't coming out. He ain't coming out. He'd have, he'd have been stuck in Canada. So. Um, 
that that one I you know uh, surprised. I, I thought Logan Johnson played really well. Um, and if Justin Jennifer does not play well, what was the first part of what he just said? If <laughs> go ahead, Justin Jennifer does not play well. I think he'll start and play twenty five minutes. He played last year. I don't think will change. I think you had that luxury last year because you had four guys that could score with right. him. Now you don't really have that luxury. If if he's not improved, I think Logan Johnson's going to eat a lot of his minutes. Right. Uh, off the court, we talked about uh, Samari Curtis on the last last podcast, and in, in, in the interim, um, he he is he's made a commitment. Yeah, big deal. Yeah, I mean he's good. Yeah, no, you you talked about it. I, I think for what I, the interesting thing is, I think for what he wants and the way that Cincinnati uses. Their bigger guards or their their scoring guards. Does, does, does he renege on this one? No, I don't okay. think so. I'm just checking. Just making well, sure. I, who knows? I mean, we didn't know the first one was really coming. So, but you know, he he wants to have the ball in his hands. I think the the, the point guard, not point guard thing. I think that got a little bit overblown, but I think at Cincinnati they showed him. Sean Kilpatrick had the ball in his hands. Jacob Evans had the ball in his hands. Jaron Cumberland's going to have the ball in his hands. Like those guys weren't traditional point guards but they were the guys that they were our scoring threat. So we put the ball in their hands and let them create, create stuff. Yeah. So I think that kind of eased, you know, when they brought him in on the, the visit, they sat him down and showed him a bunch of that. And I'd even include Troy Copain in that. Cause I don't think he was, a he wasn't as much of a scorer though, but yeah, I was just going to say I, one, I don't think the point guard, not point guard really ever had anything to do with, what he wanted or why he was decommitting or where he committed. Second of all, I think he is more of a point guard right now than Troy Copain was at the same stage. And it's fair. I mean, Troy Copain had a totally different mindset in how he played. So maybe that catered more to being like a distributor yeah. for other people anyway, because Samari is going to be a scorer. But for the way Mick Cronin has used the point guard position, Samari seems like what he was tough, big, physical. Can, he's going to be able to defend for Mick right. He gets that. downhill. And then he's going to be able to score, unlike any point guard Mick has had, really, in his entire tenure that I can think of. I mean, okay, he played Sean Kilpatrick at point guard at times, but that doesn't really count. Right. At times, so that doesn't count. Other than that, has he had a point guard with this type of scoring ability? And maybe he'll play Samari at the two, but if he plays him at the one, I mean, it well, might well, give him options he's yeah. never had. And then one or two, I don't think he's going to have the ball in his hands. Right. If he's it's good, gonna he's going to have the ball in his hands. One or two, I don't. Three, even I don't really think that matters. So I think in terms of fit, I think what they do at that spot fits what he's looking for. Um, so I think you know I think it ultimately will be a good a good addition. I think they both fit each other pretty well. Um, I mean, you've been on record saying for the longest time, like he's a Cincinnati type of guard. Yeah, I 100% believe that because he is what Mick Cronin wants in a guard, except Mick Cronin doesn't seem to find a lot of guys that can score it like him who have what he right, wants. Right. Like he has all this other stuff Mick wants, but he can really score too. And that's that's a little bit different than a lot of the guards Mick has recruited. Yeah, and I think sometimes you get people try to pigeonhole a guy of, of in position groups, and, and you just don't need it. I mean, Isaiah Thomas was a point guard per se, but Isaiah Thomas was a 20-point-per-game guy, right? I right. mean, he was a point guard. And to me, to me, this is the type of recruit UC fans have been wanting to see, McLean. And, I mean, this I think will be a really good fit, and I think he'll have a really good career there. Yeah. All right, let's uh, switch to, to Xavier. They've got a couple commitments. One, oh, you got one more? Well, stay tuned to Bearcat Journal. There, there okay. could be something else going on. Coming up here, basketball wise, basketball wise, in the next couple weeks. Yeah, 
The classic Brendel tease, I like as it. they call it. I like it. I like it. He, he, he did. We still have not officially had the, the NKUUC matchup yet either, have we? I don't think they've ever made that official. Yeah, they have. Did they? Yeah, announced. Well, I, I, I don't think I don't think they did. It's it's, it's happening. It's happening. Yes, it's happening. But I don't think they've ever made it official, which is the they haven't released their non correct. correct. I, from what I know, the biggest holdup with that right now is. No, Mike Mike Boat even said it's happening. Yeah. They just haven't made it. Official. Well, they they want to do an exhibition game, but when they signed the contract for the arena. November 7th was the date to be ready. In order to do an exhibition game, they've got to get the construction company to sign off for a couple days earlier gotcha. for an exhibition game. So Logistics, man. Logistics, logistics. they're gotcha. working on that. Gotcha. All right. But stay tuned to Bearcat Journal, right? Stay tuned to Bearcat Journal. I like it. Sometime in the next couple weeks. Do you want to tease Musketeer Report real quick before I, I jump into some no, Xavier I stuff? Don't need, I don't need anyone <laughs> I, asking I would, what's, about, what's on the horizon. Yeah, okay, because okay, yeah, now you're going to get bombarded by people. I already am. Nah, I, I've already told them there's something coming. But I can't talk about it, so don't ask me. Uh, how imminent? How imminent is it? Within the next couple of weeks. Okay, next couple of weeks. That's pre- it's pretty vague. It's recruiting no. news coming in the next couple of All weeks. Right, there you go. All right. Speaking of recruiting, Xavier's got a couple. One in the what the class of twenty nineteen, and one in the uh, the class after in the class of twenty twenty. Talk about those guys, Rick. Yeah, I mean, um, the first one to commit was the twenty twenty kid, Dwan Odom, uh, top forty point guard, combo guard, just probably like. The only other player that I can think of that would rival his athleticism that Xavier's had come through is uh, SF Terps, former former, uh, small forward at Xavier. Des Wells. (laughs) Um, He's really explosive and a big physical, um, physically mature guard that can do a lot of things, except he's not a great shooter. Um, He's an okay shooter. And then everything else, pretty much he does well. He defends, he passes, he handles, good feel, tough kid. Um, and then just an explosive athlete. So it's going to be really interesting to see sort of what happens with them. Like, I, I don't necessarily think he's reclassifying at this point, although I wouldn't entirely rule it out that they might not try to get him early in the 2019 class because it is such a big class for them. They have so many scholarships available. But I do think it maybe gives them a little flexibility in 2019 saying, hey, we have at least got this really if talented you, it, yeah. guard in 2020. Right. Do you want to join him? If we had, well, also we don't necessarily have to land a point guard now in 2019. If we see like a combo guard or a or a shooter shooting guard that can really light it up from the outside, we'll take that guy, knowing we only have to bridge that one year um, before we get to Dwan Odom in 2020. I, I talked to a couple coaches about him; they all loved him. Yeah, Just I mean, aggressive, downhill, physical, big, strong kid, especially for a kid that's that's two years out. Plays um, really hard. Yeah, everybody I talked to was had very good things to say, and and a really good student too. So I mean, I, there's there, it's hard to find negative things about him other than like I said, he's got to improve his shot. Um, and who knows if he'll ever do that? But even without that, he's a top forty prospect in the country. So um, a really talented kid. And then 2019 kid, they're really excited about. Isn't as highly rated. He's outside the top 100 right now, but uh, definitely improving rapidly. And that's Daniel Ramsey, a six eight big man out of Georgia, long arms. Used to be kind of like a thicker kid. He's he's slimming up now, but he's like he's got a wide frame, but not very strong. So it's kind of like one of those guys that he's going to have a big, strong frame, but he has to put on all the strength still. Um, and as he gets stronger, he's getting more athletic and more explosive. But it's funny. I, I, you're talking about the first kid coming out of his sophomore year, going into his junior year, already being physically mature. You're talking about this kid who's only coming out of his junior year. That's where sometimes you you you, you don't think of those guys. I mean, look at look at for those that follow even high school basketball. Look at the kids that are now sophomores and juniors, and try to look and go, how can that guy get any bigger? They just do. I mean, and part of it's they they need to, but it's well, it's amazing. You, you talk about we're really talking about kids to some. 
some degree here. Yeah. And look at the kids after they're in college pro- weight programs. Right. How some right. people put on right. you know, 15 pounds in two and months. Like, it's nothing. I mean, it's two months anymore. They're, like, they're doing it in, like, four weeks now. Right. And I know, like, people say, oh, that's water weight and everything else. But, like, these dudes are adding legit body mass yeah, yeah, and exactly. muscle um, in a short amount of time once they land on college campuses. So... It'll it'll be interesting to see what his body looks like in two or three years. Like when he's a junior, I had one coach say to me, he they think he could be the best big man in the Big East as a junior. Now I don't know if he's that talented personally, but I think he does have a lot of upside. He's going to be able to rebound, um, finish like off of pick and rolls and dives to the rim, and he's got a high motor and get offensive rebounds that type of stuff. The question for me is. Does he round out his offensive skill set? Because he's shown some flashes that he's comfortable with the ball in his hands when he faces up. He'll drive you two or three dribbles to the rim and beat you off the dribble. And he can hit a mid-range jumper. So does he get more comfortable with that to where he knows what he's doing when he catches the ball and he actually has some game to go with it? If so, he could really be a talented uh, big man. This is a guy that if Pegues was still there, like I, I would say, and I don't even know a ton about him because I wasn't on the road this year, but he'll probably be the best big man in the Big East by the time he's a junior. Yeah. So and this will be a question as to what that next, whoever the big man coach is, what that yeah, next sure. guy is like. And then that's where Jonas Hayes is going to earn his money. You know, he has a really good reputation as a big man's coach, but you're exactly right. The first thing I thought when watching all this kid's tape was like, with that footwork, that's the biggest issue. Like he has quick feet but he doesn't have it down yet. And that's where Mike Pekis was so good at like slowing a guy down and getting all that footwork down to where they had game when he threw, it the ball, threw him the ball in the post. So it'll be interesting to see how Jonas Hayes does developing a guy like Daniel Ramsey. Yeah. Um, we're all from Northern Kentucky, so we followed Northern Kentucky high school basketball for a long time. I'm not sure I've seen a, a, a group in two years like the, the class that just went and the class that's, that's coming. And I'm going to take Dante Allen into that, who committed to Kentucky, and we talked about that in the last podcast, that it's not surprising if he goes, they offer, he says yes, all those things. Um, we had Jake Walter, obviously from Cubcat Xavier, uh, at one at, at least at one point. C.J. Frederick to Iowa. Um, even even smaller Division One. Uh, Adam Kunkel goes to Belmont. Which in the day, if you had one kid going to a Division One in, in a two year span, it would I mean, be really, huge. we haven't had anything like this since I was in high school. Or no, I'm not even sure we've ever. I'm not even sure, Chad, we've ever Dolman had Dolman Brock Nelson. In the same year, you're right. Three, three bigs went to three, and and uh, Brock went to Eastern, so smaller, but still three Division One well, guys. He w- yeah, but they didn't follow it up with a year. At the Correct. Next year. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and right. and it's getting me to another kid, Deontay Miles from Walton Verona. He's a six nine, six ten, six eleven. Feels he, like he keeps growing. I'm telling you, I saw the kid like two weeks. I coached ago against him a couple public. years ago. He's he's and long. He's a legit six eleven, seven foot with like yeah, I believe it. I, and the wingspan's even bigger. He's as tall as any that I've seen listed at seven foot. Yeah, I don't. I, I, He's starting to blow up a little bit, too. He went from not a lot of, of offers, if any, to suddenly schools like Xavier may be about to offer this kid. So if you've not heard of him, he is local, Walton Verona, just down the, the, the highway from, from downtown. Um, it's just it's, It amazes me that in this span how, how good yeah. players have been from him. It may just the luck of the draw or whatever, it's but I've never seen it like I've, Yeah, I've never seen it like this. Yeah, I mean, Deontay, I think that's one for Xavier fans to really keep a close eye on because they've uh, they've taken a quick interest in him, and I think with the way their class is shaping up, they still have they have such uh, uncertainty in their front court going forward, and they have so many scholarships available that if they can, they've already got Daniel Ramsey, if they can land one of their other big man targets that they're prioritizing right now, like a Zach Fremantle uh, or a Caden Shedrick, who's on an official visit right now as we're recording this podcast, then I think they go ahead and try to lock up Deontay Miles with those. So you have sort of Three big men all doing different things. One that's like a raw shot blocking project five and miles. A guy in Ramsey is more of your high motor five rebounder. And then uh, a guy like 
Fremantle will be a four or five who's skilled and can step out a little bit and face you up. Yeah, I, I told you he reminds me. I, I think he's better. Than, he's got more upside than Jackson Hayes. Now, Jackson Hayes took a huge step from his junior year to his senior year, mm-hmm. ended up committing to Texas, and I thought he was really good. I, saw, I did a lot of his games this past year at Moeller and just thought he took a giant leap forward. Now, the question is, can Deontay Miles do that? But he's got a lot of raw ability. He, I, he, he, he would be a shot blocker in college right now, a very good shot blocker. I don't know what else he can do in college at this point, but man, it would be a great project to get at this stage. Great timing and great second job. Yeah, yeah, right. And really agile for a kid that's seven foot. So right. he's just missed a lot of time in his high school career. He got, got hurt a little really bit. Seen a yeah. lot of him. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I, I don't know if you did. I didn't get a chance to ask you, but I know you watched Kentucky in the Bahamas. I watched the first game. Chad, did you get a chance to catch some bit, of it? Yeah, a little right. bit. Well, I'll ask you then, Rick, and you can chime in for the little bit parts. What did you What did you make of that? I mean, they have a lot of a, a lot more shooters, a lot more offensive weapons. And if Nick Richards can do some of the things in the Bahamas, I don't know if he does. Man, that's just another. That's that, that's icing on the cake. Crazy what happens when you have shooters. When you have a roster that fits. fits. Yeah, no doubt. And you only have five of the same right, guy. Right. And I think uh, Ray Travis showed that he's going to be exactly yeah. what they need. Him yeah. To be. He doesn't have to be the star every night, but those those nights, those moments when they need like that solid dude to I mean, kind he was of get a, them he through. Was, he was a high double double guy basically at, at Stanford. He's a rebounding machine. And, right. and you know, again, he did, didn't have that ability around him, so he had to do that. But he's capable of doing that. But he looked in the Bahamas. He gave them that presence at times where it looks like that's the veteran on the court. Right. That's the guy who's solid. He makes the key board, makes the key defensive play, gets the big bucket. He is going to be a big key, and it's exactly what UK fans have been wishing for the last few years when they've been complaining about all the one and done stuff and not having the experience. You've got that type of guy now. He hasn't been in your program for four years, but he looks like that kind of glue, understands his role, but can also be a star on any given night type of guy. And he had to know, I mean, again, this was a kid who was first team all Pac-12. He he could have gone to a lot of programs and decided I want to be the guy again. He chose knowing what he's going into that I'm not getting the touches. I'm not going to be the man. It's not going to be the focus. So he made this consciously knowing what he was getting into on top of that. And it's the, it's the one thing that I think you can argue coach Cal is better at than any other coach in the country is getting these because he has the legit clout with them to say, I'm making you an NBA player. Right. Better than any other coach, I will make you an NBA yeah, don't player. Worry about what your numbers say. Don't worry yeah. about that stuff. Yeah. And he's proven that with guys. They don't have to have the numbers. Jared Vanderbilt. Jared Vanderbilt had no numbers other than rebounds per minute. Right. Right? And and, and so with, with that, I think Cal is able to get the buy-in from those guys in their role better than any coach in the country. So I don't really worry about that with him. I, I have one big problem. Which is? I, I, I fault Tyler Harrow's parents for not moving to, like, Corbin when he was six. <laughs> Because <laughs> that kid could have been governor. He he still might be he governor. Still might the way be, that they're yeah. talking about. Yeah, him. correct. But if but if they were like from Corbin or like Paintsville, Clay County, Clay County, he'd already be a legend. <laughs> I'm telling you, of like, one of those he would have, have he would have played in his seventh state tournament or getting ready to play in his seventh state tournament this past year. Yeah, he'd yeah. Have a beard by the time he's eight. Wait a minute, they already had a guy like that at one point many many years ago. <laughs> so Richie gonna start tonight. Come on, okay. We just got to start tonight, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, but that, Guess by ninety five. That that kid, the hype is already. I, he missed his first shot. I watched the first game. He misses his first shot, and Dan Dockage says, "This kid's got a chance to be an all timer." <laughs> and I was like, "What is Easy. He was trying to make Brad Calipari an all timer too. Easy in, in, that, in that same game. For what he was. Did they give him big blue? Did they serve big blue Kool Aid at the Atlantis Resort? Because Dockage was uh, 
swinging. He, he was. He was. Speak, all right, uh, this actually spins me to a different topic, not just that. But the, I, I watched the first game and was dead work because I didn't watch the other three. The black jerseys, yeah or nay? I don't mind. I I, I don't like. See, I don't. I'm, I know. I don't I'm like teams that use guy. black when it's not one of their right. colors. That's like I just I don't like it. But it sells. I get it. I mean, I just don't think they need to because they have such an iconic, classic, great looking jersey. Yeah. Any way they want to do their jersey. I, mean, I didn't like when Patino put the put the claw things in it or the denim crap or anything. I didn't like the, the denim. denim. The denim jerseys are the most legendary. And they're a Converse, right? Yeah, I believe so. Time, yes, yeah. That's the other best. Legendary. Ones. They were denim they're jerseys. Awful. That is maybe just, the worst. I mean, that's the most. Yeah, there's exactly what I was going to say. They, how with phrase, with frayed, with frayed, like yeah. cutoffs. That's what yeah. they should have done. Yeah. How did Kentucky, the university, not do a licensing agreement with Walmart to have those things stocked all time and just the cheapest material possible? No, like, no, you cut the them. Actual, you, 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 like, you cut them. You, the, the, literally, like <laughs> instead of of it being a regular tank top, for lack of a term, it just yeah, they're just cut off, cut off sleeves with the with the Kentucky on it. Yep, exactly. Wildcat on the shorts. Yeah, that. From a marketing standpoint, that would have been brilliant. Oh. From the standpoint of watching it, I would have been been not too happy. <laughs> so I have to ask, since we're on this topic, yes. you know, Kentucky obviously getting a lot of hype is one of the best two teams in the country, but did you guys watch the other one last night? I did not. I, no. I was at camp, so yeah. I missed it, but I saw I saw Zion um, show some people that he's more than a dunker. Uh, I mean, it's it's scary. Like. Kentucky, it's going to be interesting because Duke obviously wasn't playing against great competition, and they didn't like light the world on fire. They weren't unbelievable as a team, but their talent— But the individual talent. But they got 60-something from RJ and Zion. Yeah, I mean, they looked like an AAU team, basically, because those two were doing whatever they want. And that's without Cam Reddish, who I think might be the best of the three. Yeah, it's just going—man, That it's going to be fun to watch those two teams develop because I think they're both the real deal. I don't think either one is overhyped this year. I, I think Zion is your type of dude. No, I, 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 I can't think nothing but good things about him. 6'8", 285. I know. And he's dunking from the free throw line in practice. That's, a, that's just a freak. The, like he's, he's Charles Barkley, but bigger, six, Bigger, yeah. The, Charles, Charles Barkley six, was 6'3 and a half. Yeah. I guess it was like two years ago, two summers ago, when I watched him when he was playing with Elias Harden. Yeah. I was watching that Game of game League team a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I thought he was going to be the next Draymond Green. Like he seemed like kind of a below the rim guy, but had an ex- exceptional motor and could just do everything with. Well. Like could shoot, really, really pass, had good feel, and, and he just played so hard and, and made winning plays. I'm like, he's gonna be like a, a new Draymond Green. That, and then he became the most explosive player I've ever seen ever. Like he might be more explosive than LeBron James. It's absurd. I, I'm not gonna shout you down on that. He grabbed an offense. Who would go faster, baseline to baseline? <laughs> uh, Travis Ford, TJ Ford, TJ Ford, TJ Ford. Uh, no, but he, he grabbed an offensive rebound last night, a tip dunk, where he like jumped, caught it from like the side of the lane, then cocked it back again through the middle, still lane, in the air, still in the air, and rips the rim off almost as he's dunking it with one hand. And I'm like, I don't know, if, like I've seen like three of those in the NBA ever. He's put back dunks. Like he's that. his athleticism is shocking, and he was three for four from beyond the arc. Shocking, and that's something actually you mentioned. Bar- that's something Barkley really didn't do in college. No, see the thing, the thing, the the misconception with Zion was is because all of his footage were dunks because his dunks were so incredible. And that's what's gonna if you're gonna put it together a highlight reel. That's yeah, what you're putting together. But nobody really ever showed the rest of his game. The kid has. Game. Some some of the moves he made off the bounce last night, like just crossing guys up, going behind the back, whatever. His ability to operate in small areas for a dude, 6'8", 285. Right. He would be the heaviest player in the NBA, correct? 
No, I think second. I think he'd be like second or third. But like, there's no, there's like two or three guys that have been listed with his measurables, like height ever. and weight, ever. I don't know if it was well, that, but, but he's was, like, but, just, yeah. And then those dudes are generally slow, like plotters, the rim, plotters, block, yeah, plotters. Block guys. yeah, plotters. This dude's a freak, and RJ Barrett's pretty good. Too. He's really good. He's really yeah, good. He was. I don't. I don't even know which one was more impressive last night, honestly, because Barrett's length is just absurd. Like you can have him cut off all the way to the baseline, he still like somehow steps around you and leans in and finger rolls it. It's, yeah, I watch, I, I can tell. I watched him. I think Montverde played a couple of games on ESPN last year, maybe even that prep school time yeah. at the end of the year. He was just so smooth and just. He, you could tell he could take over anytime he wanted. There were other times he just said, "Here, you you do it." And I'll, that was I'll the do knock on him at times is that he would coast. A little bit. But, boy, he's really skilled. But I think it was because he was so good that everybody's like, yeah. come on, bro, let's see it. And, and, that, and after last night, the knock on him already is that, well, he might just be a shot jacker because he took 30 shots. Um, but, you know, okay. it, the, the knock on him went from being that he's going to be too passive right. to now the issue is he's yeah, a shot, shot jacker. jacker. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, I think Coach Kale figured it out. And then when you add Reddish in with him, boy. Well, I asked you guys on the last one, is that where, is that where Reed Travis makes – Enough of a difference for Kentucky that they have an older guy like that. I mean, I think it's Maybe. again, it's going to be a d- different ball game when we're in NCAA high major division one game for everyone's running systems and like the balls being kept out of the lane. And RJ Barrett isn't just a, well, he's still going to be able to do it a lot probably, yes. but he's not able to just dribble through everybody and, and finger roll it in. Like guys take a charge or he has two fouls and out of the game. How do the teams adjust from there? All that remains to be seen. But I mean, both teams are exceptionally talented, and I do think. You give Kentucky a little bit of an edge that they kind of have that experience factor with a couple of guys. Even a guy like Nick Richards. Yeah, I I think their roster is better built than – I think Duke – you know, like if you're drafting teams, Duke probably has – Goes one, two, three. One, two, three. Yeah. But Kentucky might go four through nine. Yeah. And then so, they up the difference is that is that the, the more the depth and more yeah the thing that puts you over the top yeah I mean when you talk about guys like PJ and Nick like that have now been there for a year and still have a lot of potential yeah right. PJ Washington looked like the guy I thought he was going to be from what I saw in the Bahamas yeah and his freshman year he was not I, I and I was super high on PJ Washington coming out but I I thought he was trying to be maybe something he was not and and that might have been because they had five of the same Yeah, somebody guys. has to do something different. So he was but now that he's playing that that versatile four kind of role, like I I liked what I did see from him, although granted I didn't get to watch front to back every game, but I did like what I saw from PJ in terms of that looks more like the guy I thought he was going to be when he was playing for Penny Hardaway. Yeah. Uh, I want to touch on one final guy, Darius Baisley, the Princeton High School grad, who made news because he decommitted from Syracuse because he wanted to play in the G League. He played in, a, in an event, uh, I think it was a Nike event, uh, over last week and a weekend before in, in L.A. Uh, and did not perform very well and, and basically NBA I, – I, I'm, I'm getting to that part. Um he would probably be best served than going the prep school route to keep open any level of NBA um, draft stock for 2019. And even then, it may not be enough. Uh, I think he's going the workout route. I think yeah, or that or private workouts. Which, yeah. by the way, I think is 100 percent the smartest thing to do for him. Yeah, for anyone because the NBA has proven time and time again that front offices are obsessed with the unknown. 
They want the unknown over anything almost 100% of the time. It's very rare that they take the more sure thing if there's a guy that entices them because of his upside potential. So you've got a guy sitting out. And, and, that, and, and, and that's why that's why they wanted one and done. They wanted to be able to see a little bit of it because they, they kept screwing themselves. Right. The they owners they, wanted they, to make sure the GMs couldn't do it. They screwed up the Kwame Browns of the world because of the unknown, right? He's, that's he's what finally been, led to it. What, what, he, He's destined for like the Hawks, right? Who do that like all the take, time? Take as many unknowns as possible yeah. and hope two of them stick. You look at their roster and you always go, "That's where that guy is." Like uh, somewhere, there's like three or four. Two. The Hawks are the ones that jump out to me, like where the names like that just go to to vanish for like four years. Um, but that's that's where he's gonna. And it's, I don't. I've never been. I, I haven't either. I, I, you know, I, I, I think you're probably right with the private workout thing because it does leave the unknown out there. He can be really good but against he, the chair. But even then, if he if he goes and works out against NBA guys at some point and they see it, that they still he still may go on draft. It's the best thing for his draft stock. It's the worst thing for his development right. as a player because he needs to develop and learn how to play more than any elite player in that class. And I do think he's really talented. I do think he has lead upside. But he's much farther from reaching it than a lot of the other guys that are in that same category. He's one of those guys that made his reputation making really what we would consider bad shots. Like taking tough guarded shots that you're not supposed – like in the NBA, you're going to get those – Yeah, right. And and you're not going to make those shots in the NBA because the dude guarding you is going to be – six foot eight and just as long as you and just as athletic as you like he he built that reputation and I've seen the kid make some ridiculous tough shots but that made him great on the AAU circuit that's not going to translate in college I think he should have gone to Syracuse because then you're never going to have to play defense Stay in, the middle, stay in the middle zone. Yeah, stay in the middle of the zone. So nobody knows. You, you're still an unknown on defense, and then he could have showcased what he can do offensively. Like that, would and worked have been, in, and worked in some structure for a year. That would have been the best fit for him, okay. but just disappointing. It works out. It's just it's, it's well, disappointing. He's decommitted from Ohio State, right? Decommitted from Syracuse, decommitting from the G League, <laughs> decommitting from the G League. It's not a, generally not a good look. No, it's the, in, a, in a span of what three years, yeah. two and a half years, whatever it was. Transferred high schools, and sometimes that's out of your control. But transferred high school, I mean, it all that's out of control. I know. I'm just saying. Sometimes that's out of your control. All right, any final thoughts for you, Rick Brewing? I got nothing. Okay, you had a lot on the you had a lot on the show. I just didn't know if you had something final that you I, needed to get I out. Left of. it all out there. I thought you did too. You gave 110. Yeah. percent Yeah, no question. I always do. Son what, of a coach. What What do you think of the Dana Gardens tweet yesterday? Of Somebody from Xavier's program, their 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 like program that they sell at games, calling Dana Gardens and and asking them if they wanted to uh, to to purchase ad space in the Xavier. Oh, I heard about. It. I saw the tweet. I saw the tweet. Yeah. I you know, seen the same tweet at the same All time. All I say is the Dana Victory podcast, man. We've got ad, advertising spots open. <laughs> we 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 know the name. Say it for me, just real quick, so everybody knows. It is. Xavier. Xavier. Yeah. Thank you. Xavier. Do you say Xylophone or Xerox machine? Well, the, there was a Xavier. Xavier Henry. That's true. Yeah. Well, there's Xavier's like. There are Xavier's. There yeah. are guys who spell it that way. Yeah, right, correct. And they, they want to pronounce it that way. Yeah. But Xavier is not. I don't know why people have such a hard Xavier time with Simpson. that. I, I, 
also, I, I, I don't understand why it bothers Xavier people so much, though. Like, if, if well, it's I, media I, members, I understand it. Yes. More, but, like, I, when it's, like, a recruit from another part of the country who honestly should have no reason to even yeah, know about your school. I, I'll give you and that then part. people are like, oh, I don't want him anymore. He said Xavier. It's like, who cares? No, I, I, I think any national media, though, if they do that, that's shame on them. And I, I think you make fun of that person. Right. The national media. I think it's the one, especially when they do, don't do, what? maybe even when it's still drawn out eggs, Xavier, like EGG. Yeah, that, yeah. That, I think that gets annoying. No, it's Xavier. Yeah, yeah like exactly. Xavier. Right. Xavier. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't know. It just – I don't understand why it bothers Xavier fans so much, but it definitely does. I mean if somebody said your name wrong. Gonzaga or Gonzaga. Like if somebody called you Rick Boring. And get it all the time. If people say my name wrong, that is like, <laughs> It doesn't bother you? I think I have more experience in this than anybody. <laughs> As, as long as they as they know who you are, they don't have to. They don't have to know the full name. They don't even have to say it correctly. As long as they know who you are. Yeah. I, to me, that is like ultimate little brother syndrome. When you when things like that bother you, that is like the definition of being like, oh yeah, you're a mid major program, and things like that bother you. Gonzaga or Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Okay. Just making sure you know that. Nobody He's the says. one who doesn't know. I, oh, I know. I just it's. I, I have this problem with when it when something gets stuck in my head. Like Tulsa and Tulane. Yeah, yeah, there's no there's no reversing it. Like yeah. I can't go back. Or like Larry Shaman. Larry Shaman. Larry. Well, I mean that was that became more of a dig. Yeah, yeah. that became more of a dig. Are right, you got anything final, Chad Brendel? No, I just wanted to know what he thought okay. about yeah, Xavier. I like it. All right, boys, appreciate it very much. We will be back. Has, has anybody September. gone? Has anybody yes. gone and tried the summertime shorthands? No, actually, uh, a couple of uh, guys I cover the Bengals with. We were going to do it one night, and we actually ended up all having to go our separate directions. So we have Ooh. not done that. I know, and summer's running out. So yeah, it's probably gone because it's the, the pumpkin season started. It's like, close. It's no, close. It started like two days ago. It's pumpkin season. Now I was in the establishment last night. They said they're still about two weeks away from that because they actually had it on on the menu but they said we don't have that yet i'm not a pumpkin beer guy i just like beer flavored beer yeah beer, beer flavored beer is the best i'm not an ipa guy i like ipas it's a beer flavored beer i don't need there's fruit stuff. in it no, 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 no ipas have fruit but it doesn't need citrus and grapefruit yeah, i don't even get biscuits it tastes like beer to me beer flavored beer is beer flavored beer it's, it's it I don't that's another skinny yeah. like one guy last night was getting and, and they they said it was delicious. Cream sickle beer. I love cream sickles. I love cream. I'm not drinking cream sickle flavored beer, man. I'm yeah. just not gonna do it. But now you got. I know. I like. I, lo- I like cream sickles. I like beer. I like cream sickles. And I might even dip a cream sickle in a beer, but I'm not gonna have it. In the, I'm not gonna have a cream sickle beer. It's just not gonna happen. I like beer flavored beer. Just remember that at all times. That should be the, the, the new tagline of this podcast. I like beer flavored beer. Beer flavored beer. Yep, exactly. I don't need no fruit of mine. All right, boys, have a good one. Beer flavored beer in my summertime short pants. We're gonna. We, you know what? Next week we may have to go out. We'll, we'll have to make a road trip there to see if it's still available. I'll Let me call. Get through camp. I'm tired. Are you tired? I'm. I'm exhausted, but I'm. I'm plugging because today's the last day of Bengals camp. I still have another week. I know and you half. do. I know you do. I'm I have good. to go till next Friday. This is good radio. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. And it's a podcast anyway. So <laughs> there you go. All right. For Chad Brendel, who's tired. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the College Basketball Edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.